Well, I want to start with this statement this morning, uh, and that's this, that salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. I didn't make that up. Actually, the Lord Jesus Christ told that. Uh, you, you don't have to go there, but John chapter 4 and verse number 22. Many of you remember the story where the Bible says that Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus met with a woman by the well, the well of Sychar. And it was there in verse number 42 of John chapter 4 that Jesus said, You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, what does that mean, that salvation is of the Jews? Well, several things. Uh, number one, it was explained in scriptures given by Jewish writers. And by the way, there's no place for racism at Calvary Baptist Church. And there's no place for racism in Christianity. Uh, and before you get too mighty about your whiteness, uh, you might want to keep in mind that God gave the scriptures to the Jew. And the Jew gave the scriptures to us. And, uh, and we believe these scriptures are inspired of God, infallible and errant and uh, perfect and uh, settled in heaven. And so we understand that, that the gospel and salvation is explained through the scriptures given to us by Jewish writers inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but it was provided for the Jew. Salvation was provided uh, for the Jew. And scripturally was to be presented by the Jew. And it will be one of these days in, in a great, great way. And one of these days in the last day, the Bible says 144,000, an army of 144,000 Jewish people are going to be called out and they're going to crisscross this world and they're going to give the message that Jesus saves. And uh, many of them will lose their life, but they're going, to, they're going to present that wonderful, wonderful message of Jesus. But also think about this. Salvation is of the Jews because it was provided by a Jew. And I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It was provided by the Lord and the Lord only. Now here's the message. But the Jew turned away from salvation. And so God turned salvation to the Gentile. And by the way, I'm so glad that he did. Because of that, you and I can be saved. Now, you need not turn there, but Acts chapter 13, verse number 46, the Bible says, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Talking about the Jew. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so the gospel began to be preached to the Gentiles, and that's you and I. If you still have your Bible open to Romans chapter 11, I want you to look with me, please, at verse number 25. And he says this, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so uh, you say, preacher, what's, what's the deal? The deal is this, that the Jewish people do not believe that Jesus Christ is, is the Messiah. They don't believe he's the son of God. And, uh, and boy, they're hard to convince. I mean, they are, they, they are a hard people to try to preach and try to get through to. Uh, but part of that is because blindness has come to them because they turned away from the gospel. But God is saying this, I haven't taken it completely from them. I've not left my people without hope. I haven't condemned them. They're not condemned. Uh, I've simply given the gospel for a while to another. And then listen to this, that it might make Israel jealous. That's what he was saying. I've, I've let the gospel go to the Gentile 
And he said, now it's the job of the Gentile, that's you and me, it's the job of the Gentile to provoke them to jealousy. Now let me see if I can illustrate and get on your level this morning. Several years ago, a preacher that influenced my life greatly told the story. He was, uh, uh, he and a lot of the other grandkids were hanging out with grandpa one day and and they were working around the house and they had loaded up the old pickup truck with a bunch of rubbish and trash. And, and grandpa said, uh, listen, I'm going to the, to the trash dump. He said, how many grandkids want to go with me? Well, nobody thought that was very glamorous or anything they'd enjoy doing. And so nobody spoke up except this preacher that influenced my life. He was young at the time, just a boy at the time. And he said, Grandpa, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. He said, good, jump in. So they, they jumped in the old pickup truck and they rolled down to the city dump or the, the county dump there and they took some time and unloaded all the garbage. They were dirty and sweaty. And uh, well, they got done, got the truck cleaned out and they got in the, uh, the pickup truck and Grandpa said, hey, how about a cone of ice cream? And he said, yes, sir, that sounds good. He said they went by the, the ice cream parlor there and uh, I think they got a double decker. Y'all know what a double decker is? Let me tell you, if you don't know what it is, come see my wife. She knows what it is. And uh, she likes those double-deckers. And, and they got a double scoop, man, a double scoop of ice cream. Got back in the pickup truck, started on the way home. Well, when they got home, they, he still had a lot of that ice cream left. And boy, Grandpa got out one side, he got out the other side, and they were licking on that ice cream cone. And all the grandkids came around, and they said, Where did you get that ice cream cone? And he said, Grandpa took me by the ice cream parlor. And he said, we got ice cream. Wait a minute now. And all those grandkids were provoked to jealousy. Can I get a, can I get a witness? And all those grandkids were wishing that they had went with Grandpa uh, to the city dump. Now, that's what I'm talking about. Did you know that that's what you and I are here for? We are to provoke others to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only the Jewish people, but others. We are to make others jealous that we have the gift of salvation and they don't. Uh, you know what? Our relationship with Christ, and when you speak of jealousy, not envy, but jealousy, jealousy often speaks of a relationship. And we're to have such a great relationship with Jesus Christ that when other people see our life and see our Christian walk, that it ought to provoke them. It ought to make them wonder. It ought to make them want what we have because they don't have it. I mean, what we have is so great when they see they don't have the ice cream cone, amen, they ought to want the ice cream cone. That's what I'm talking about. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Is your life a billboard that makes people want to get saved? Are you a walking billboard? Somebody said that you and I are the only Bible that some will ever read. Someone else said that you and I are the only sermon that some will ever hear preached. And so your daily life, when you're at work, when you're at the plant, when you're at the factory, uh, your daily life when you're at school, when you get on the school bus, or you will before too awful long, is your life a billboard? Does it tell others that you've got something that they don't have? And it, does, it, does, it, does it shine forth so much that it makes other people want what you have? Well, here's the message this morning. What are some things, what are some ways that we can provoke others to desire Salvation. I believe we find them right here in Romans chapter 11, and I want to share just a few with you this morning. Number one, if we're going to provoke others to desire salvation, first of all, we need to speak up. We need to speak up. Now, look back at your Bibles, if you're Romans chapter 11, and I want you to look at verse number one. 
And notice the first three words that the Apostle Paul says. He said, I say then. I say then. Uh, skip down to verse number 11, Romans chapter 11 and verse number 11. Notice the first three words again. Paul said, I say then. Let's skip down to verse number 13, Romans chapter 11 and verse number 13. And Paul says, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Listen, this is all I'm saying. If we're going to provoke others to have what we have, we're going to have to speak up. We're going to have to start speaking up. I mean, verbally, listen, we're going to have to start letting it be known that we are a child of the king. And if you're here this morning and you're born again, you know what? You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Man, you've got something to shine about. You've got something to be happy about. And I don't understand these Christians that never smile. And somebody says, well, preacher, I'm, not, I'm just not a shouter. Well, at least you can be a smiler. Amen. You not be, may not be a shouter, but you can at least smile. And brother, listen, don't tell me that something as big as God can move into your life and it not make a difference in your countenance. Listen, you and I have got something that's worth more than the lottery. We've got, listen, it's worth more than riches and wealth and prosperity. Listen, if you've got Jesus, you've got everything this morning. And we, we, listen, we ought to speak up. It's time for Christians to speak up. Now I wrote several things down. How about this? Number one, maybe by verbally praying before a meal. Again, we're supposed to let our light shine. And so by, by maybe verbally praying before a meal, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about the, uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for the food. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you sit down for the meal, before everybody dives in, before you get, you know, your, your napkin tucked in, you stop as a family or as an individual, you stop and you pause and you bow your head and you say, Lord, however you pray, your, you know, say your blessing, but Lord, thank you for this food and drink. Thank you for what you've given us. Oh, you say, preacher, if I did that, I'd be embarrassed. No, if you did that, you may provoke somebody to have what you have. And how many know this? That you know what? When somebody, when you finally do see uh, see somebody bow their head and pray before a meal, it makes a difference. I mean, you can't help but notice. And I mean, listen, we'll be in places, and because it's becoming so rare. When you see a couple or a family all stop and all bow their heads in a crowded restaurant and they begin to give thanks to the Lord for that meal, you know what? It stands out. Amen. I mean, it, draw, it draws attention. Maybe, maybe by verbally praying before. How about this? Maybe by verbally praising the Lord. Amen. Listen, it, it's not going to hurt us to praise God. You know what, does it not make you feel good when out and about, not just at church, but out and about, you hear somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. You, you ever perked up and thought, where'd that come from? Don't it make you feel good when you hear somebody out somewhere say, praise the Lord. You're thinking, yeah, I, I, listen, I picked up on that. I, I heard that. Uh, that praise, that praise uh, means a lot. Now, I have no idea doctrinally where Mariana Revere stands. I, I have no idea. But for those of you who don't follow baseball, Mariana Revere was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame earlier this week, but it made news. And one of the reasons it made news is because in front of all those thousands of people and literally millions of people on the airwaves and TV, on the TV shows, this is what Mario Ravana said. He said, I feel honored, I feel humbled that, that I was the one that did that. I never considered myself better than anybody, but the Lord blessed me with that. I thank the Lord for that. 
because it won't change my life. But it's something you know that you were the first one. That's what's special. And boy, he gave the Lord praise several times in his speech. And boy, the next day, people were talking about it on the news waves. And they were, they were talking about how uh, he said something about the Lord. Man, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, listen, we ought to praise the Lord verbally. Listen, when something good happens to you, give God praise for it. Amen. Well, you say, that's just good luck. Luck, there's no place for luck in the child of God, in the life of the child of God. We don't have good luck, bad luck. Uh, Brother Brandon and I were up, at the, we were up at the new building yesterday moving some chairs and tables around and uh, there was an old mirror up there and we were throwing that mirror in the dumpster. It took two of us. It's so heavy. And I said, Brandon, if this thing breaks, does that mean we're going to have seven years of bad luck? And he said, Preacher, I, he said, I don't believe in luck. And I said, I don't either. You know why? Because there's no such thing as luck in the life of the child of God. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Well, you say, preacher, I'd never fly to Israel uh, too, too long in the air. I, I'm, I'm afraid to fly. Hey, listen, when I fly, I'm in the hand of the Lord. Did you know it's just as easy for that plane to fall out of the sky and crash into my house and kill me as it is for me to be on that plane and the plane to crash and kill me? I'm in the hand of the Lord. What happens to me is because of the Lord. And when good things happen, and by the way, for that matter, when bad things happen, I ought to praise the Lord. And just verbally, verbally give the Lord praise. How about this? Maybe by verbally pausing before you speak, not only praying before a meal, not only praising the Lord, but maybe by verbally pausing before you speak. In other words, when others are cursing, you aren't. When everybody else is, is just uh, having a, 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 a spasm and everybody else is complaining at work, you're not. When everybody else is mad at the supervisor and using terrible uh, language, you know what? Maybe you pause and you don't use the same language. Now, why? I'll tell you why. Because we want our light to shine. We want, uh, we want to speak up so others can see what we have and they want what we have. Listen, that's all I'm saying. It's time to speak up. And it is time to speak up. Man, it's time we get bold about our Christian faith. It's time that we, we let people know, I am, I'm not talking about being haughty and, and proud, and I'm not talking about that, but I am saying this, brother, for too long we've been silent, and it's time that we speak up and let it be known that Jesus is my Savior and I am not ashamed of him. Let me tell you who's not ashamed. Muslims are not ashamed. One of the things that we did see much of in Israel is this, that in Israel there are a lot of places that are Arab run. And you go down, you go down those busy streets and, and uh, you go by what they call settlements there in Israel. And often as we went by a settlement and everything's on a hill in Israel. Everything's on a hill. And you go by these settlements where there'd be 20,000, 30,000 people, those houses stacked on, literally stacked on top of each other and you can always tell what towns were Arab-dominated because there was something called a minaret that was in that town, a tower, a Muslim tower that went high above all the other homes and different times of the day, they do what's called the call to prayer. Sometimes we went by towns where there were two or three or four or five of those minarets that were standing up above all the homes. And sometimes when they had a mosque, those mosques were often, were often built on the highest mountain over that town. You know why? So when everybody pulled in, the first thing you see is that Muslim mosque. 
You know why? They're not ashamed. They're not ashamed. There's even a very, some of you folks have been there, there's a very heavy Arab presence in Jerusalem. When they, took us to the, when they took us to Golgotha, when they took us to Calvary, where Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, I mean, just to the side of, of Golgotha's hill is a big, giant Muslim sign that says, there is no God but Allah, right beside Calvary. They're not ashamed. You know what? They're not ashamed to speak up. I ask you a question. How about you? How about you? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time when something happened, you praised the Lord publicly? You say, well, preach, if I do that, they'll laugh. Let them laugh. They won't be laughing one day. I'm just saying, listen, if, if we're going to provoke people to want what we have, number one, we need to speak up. Number two, quickly, how about this? Number two, we need to light up. We need to light up. It's no wonder that the world isn't interested in what we have. You know, oftentimes, you know this is the, the, the truth, that a lot of times it's like a curse instead of a blessing to be a Christian. A lot of churches are fighting, fuming, fussing. I'm talking about people sowing discord, people sowing disunity. Did you know there's no place for that in the house of God? Amen. Amen. That's right. No, no place for that in the house of God. Now, we're getting ready to build a building, and Lord willing, if God keeps blessing, we may move across the road around October. And, uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now that, that everything in that new building is not going to be your liking. Amen. You're not going to like every weave of carpet. You're not going to like every uh, shade of fabric. You're not going to like every, uh, you know, uh, every uh, 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 part of the paint. You're not going to like everything about the building. But I just want to say this. You know what? Who cares? Right. It's not about the building. It's not about you. It's not about me. And you know what? Uh, those. That's what I'm saying. Carpet is not worth Calvary Baptist Church fussing about. And a seat or a chair is not worth us fussing about. And a lot of churches are 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 splitting over little hairs and and making mountains out of molehills. And and brother, I'm just saying this that that's not letting this world know that what we have is something great. And if we are going to provoke this world to jealousy, you know what? It is time that the Christians at Calvary Baptist Church and the pastor leading the way, it is time that we light up and let others know, man, it's a blessing to be saved. Now look what Paul says, Romans chapter 11, verse 13. He said, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I love this. Paul said, I magnify mine office. I magnify mine office. You know what that word magnify means? It means to render glorious. In other words, Paul was saying this, I make my calling before God glorious. Listen, (laughs) listen, Calvary. It is glorious to be saved. It's glorious. Man, when God was giving me this, uh, this message, I couldn't help but think about the song. Oh, it's wonderful. To be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. Oh, yes. I like that so much, I'm going to sing it again. Amen. 
Hey, if you know it, sing it with me. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. We're gonna, you know what? This was not originally in the plans, but we're gonna sing that song for Bible school this week. Just as sure as I'm here, we're going to sing. You know why? Because it's wonderful to be a Christian. Man, it's good. Listen, listen. Amen. I'm about to have a time this morning. I'm telling you, if you want to have your dead service and your dead church and, and you want to act like a, a bump on a log, I'm, you go ahead and do that. Help yourself. But brother, you're looking at a man that's been born again 30-some years ago. Jesus reached way down and saved my unworthy soul. I never have to worry about going to hell. I'm going to heaven one day. My name's written down in glory. And you just have to excuse me for getting a little excited about it. Good to be saved. Good to be saved. You say, preacher, don't say that too loud. They don't go well with this world, brother. I can't help it goes well with this world or not. It's good to be saved. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. And if we're going to provoke this world to want what we have, it's time to light up Calvary. I'm not just preaching, I'm not just preaching, listen, strange things. Matthew chapter five, verse number 16, Jesus Christ said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, it's our job to provoke this world to want what we have. (laughs) Everybody all right this morning? It's no wonder the world don't want what some of us have. Walk around like, look like we were wheeled on a, you know, weaned on a dill pickle and just never smile. No joy of the Lord. Hey, listen, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Man, we got something to shout about. And so number one, we ought to speak up. Number two, we ought to light up. We're done, but I like this last one. Number three, we need to cheer up. We need to cheer up. I want you to take your Bibles this morning real quickly and turn over to, we got too many places, but Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26 in your Bibles. And uh, you'll find a story where the Apostle Paul is before a king by the name of Agrippa. And if you read the whole chapter, it's a lengthy chapter, but if you read the whole chapter, you'll find out that the Apostle Paul almost leads this pagan king to Jesus. Now, uh, I believe this. I believe part of the reason is because this king witnessed Paul's cheer. You'll, you'll look with me, please, at Acts chapter 26 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak. Well, there's speak up right there. Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Verse, t- verse number 2, I thank myself happy King Agrippa because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews honestly I believe that King Agrippa saw something so different in the Apostle Paul and Paul was a prisoner 
And yet Paul came before this man, I mean, just with the joy of the Lord in his breast and just so happy to be saved. And you read the whole chapter, and boy, Paul just puts it on thick and tells his testimony and tells how he got born again. And by the end of the chapter, Agrippa said, Paul, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Paul cheered up. You don't have to go there. But in Acts chapter 16, we see a Philippian jailer that not only almost gets saved, he gets saved. His whole house gets saved. They all get saved and baptized. You say, preacher, what happened? I believe this. I believe it's partly because this jailer witnessed the cheer of the apostle Paul. Because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, And verse number 23, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas complained and belly ached. And uh, and no, that's not what it says. And at midnight, they prayed. And what? They sang praises unto God. And the Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. Uh, You know what? Here were some people saying, man, what are y'all so happy about? We're happy because it's wonderful to be a Christian. It's wonderful to be God's child. And I'm about to get happy this morning. And I'm telling you what, it is wonderful to be God's child. We find a, we find a passage in Acts chapter 26 where Paul's on a ship. And that ship's tossed up and down for many days. The Bible says they didn't see sun or moon. And they're in a horrible, horrible storm. You read that story in Acts chapter 27. The Bible says that Paul encourages a whole shipload of soldiers and prisoners. What happened, preacher? Partly, I believe, because they saw his cheer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 27 and verse number 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. And I'm done. This is all I'm saying, Calvary. You and I are a billboard. We're a billboard. Every day you go to school, every day you go to college, Every day you go to work. Every day you walk into the grocery store. Every day you stop and get gas. We're a billboard. We're a billboard. And you know what? People ought to look at our life and they ought to say, man, I want what he's got. I mean, I come in just depressed and discouraged and me and my wife are fighting all the time and the, the kids are, 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 are rebelling and, and, and this guy walks in and it seems like he's got his life together and he, he walks in whistling and he walks in singing and he walks in uh, talking about how good church was yesterday. That's what I'm saying. Brother, you and I are to be a billboard. We're to provoke others to want what we have. Years ago when our kids were growing up, we always, uh, we always, always, I'm sure we failed, but we always tried to make home a very, very fun place. Some would say we probably went a little overboard, maybe so. But uh, we always try to make home fun. And so because of that, we had four-wheelers and trampolines. And we got out on the trampolines with them. I mean, it was WWF on the trampoline. I mean, you know. And, uh, and the trampolines and... And, uh, you know, all these, uh, we, we, all these things we used to, to, to get. You know why? Because we wanted, we wanted home. 
to be a fun place. Every year we used to, every year we used to, to, to plan at least one big vacation. And we would plan it all up and spring it on the kids. And we'd say, guess where we're going? We'd make a video or something, you know. And, and we'd say, man, guess where we're going? And we'd make it big. Amen. Everything you do ought to be big. Amen. Big, gigantic, huge, colossal. Amen. I mean, everything's big. That's right. And by the way, that's how we promoted it. And you can say, well, we're going to Florida again. Or you can say, hey, guess what? We're going. We're going south. Going. You're not going to believe it. Not going to believe it. We're going to Florida. Yeah. And listen, and we planned a big vacation every single year. Now, let me tell you why. Because we didn't want our kids lured away to other families' homes because they thought they could have more fun at so-and-so's house and so-and-so's house and spend the night with so-and-so. You know where they want to spend the night? They want to spend the night at our house. You know why? We had fun, brother. I mean, we had fun. Now, wait a minute now. We wanted them to be drawn to our home. Every day, you and I walk around and live our life and go to school and go to work. You know what? This world ought to look at our life, and they ought to be drawn to what we have. And what we have is Jesus. Our job is to provoke not only the Jew, but our job is to provoke others to want what we have. So are you a billboard for salvation today? Let's bow our heads this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had together today. God, I pray it's made sense. I pray it's what you want, wanted preached. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realize that that is true. That, Lord, for some, we may be the only Bible that some will ever read. We may be the only sermon that some will ever hear preached. And God, as we walk out that door today, may we walk out breathing this prayer. Lord, help me to be a billboard. God, help me to be a billboard. Lord, help me, to, help me to live in such a way. Help me to speak up. Help me to light up. Help me to cheer up. Lord, so others will see what I have and they'll want what I have. Now our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And I want to ask just a question or two right before we go to the Lord in prayer. First of all, the first question is this. How many are here today with heads bowed and eyes closed? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. And if you could honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up real quickly? Just slip it up, slip it up all over the house, and you can take it right back down. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. But I want to ask a second question to go along with that. I wonder how many may be here today, and you'd say, Pastor, honestly, between me and the Lord, I, I could not really raise my hand in full assurance. And, and if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. God knows, but I want you to pray for me that I'll, I'll soon come to know the Lord as my personal Savior. If you're here like that this morning and you'd just slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you. God bless you. Yes, yes, God bless you. Thank you. Is there another anywhere right now? Come on, let me pray with you. You'd slip your hand up. Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure about my salvation, not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? I want what you have. I want what many of these folks have here in this church. I want it. And right now, you'd let me pray for you. Is there one anywhere, anywhere at all? 
So this is my next question. You say, preacher, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that, all right? What kind of billboard are you? What do people see when they see you? Do people see Jesus in me? Do they see Jesus in you? If God has spoke to your heart today about any decision at all, you know what? Although we've got decorations, there's plenty of altar space down here. And I want to encourage you to tiptoe down to this altar, and I want you to do business with your Heavenly Father. So let's all stand all over the house. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together. God, I pray especially for these that need, Lord, to know in their heart that they're saved, born again, going to heaven. Father, I pray today that you would help them to make that decision to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm so glad that he'll, he'll take us just as we are. I'm so glad, Heavenly Father, that he has, he has made the way. He's purchased our redemption. And God, we, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus and the cross. And thank you, Lord, that not only did he die, but we're thankful that he came out of the grave. He's a resurrected Savior. And Lord, he did all these things that we might be saved and have a home eternally in heaven. And I pray for these that need to be saved, that you will help them to come to Jesus today. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a billboard. God, help us to, to provoke others to want, to desire what we have. Oh, Lord, today, help us to speak up. Lord, help us to light up. And God, help us to cheer up. Have your way, please, in the invitation. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play. If you need to come, the altar is open. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if God dealt with your heart and you need to come, listen, why don't you tiptoe down right now and just find a place at the altar, do business with the Lord. Will you come while we wait, while we wait? Amen. Folks are coming. How about you? Mind the Lord today.